This show is brought to you by Drift Outfitters in Toronto at 199 Queen Street East. Drift is remaining open during these difficult times, but with a new way of getting you your fly fishing goods without allowing customers into the shop. Visit them online at driftoutfitters.com to order products and take advantage of free shipping across Canada on orders over 100 bucks. Why not help them out during this difficult time for small businesses? Give them a shout out on Instagram. Got a great photo to share? Tag at Drift Outfitters. Also, you can tag your fly tying picks with hashtag self-isolation to show your friends and your followers how you're spending your downtime. Giving Drift more exposure and love right now is one way we can help keep them going. These are tough times, and we must find a way to continue supporting our community store. Visit driftoutfitters.com for more information. Well, welcome to another episode of So Fly. It is the end of May, and it's uh, 40 degrees outside. Uh, my name is Mitch, and we've got uh, Aldo. Uh, hey. We've got Yelma. Hello. And we've got a very uh, special guest uh, on the show today, um, coming all the way from, whereabouts are you calling from, Joe? Boston, Massachusetts. Awesome. we got uh, Joe Gugino on the show from Costa. How's it going, Joe? How are you doing today? It's going great. It's uh, nice out here. we got a great forecast coming up for the week, Yeah. so all is good. Wicked, man. Um, to be clear for Americans out there, 40 degrees Celsius. Yes. It's hot as fuck up here. <laughs> yeah, Ontario's going through it's, it's like 60 degrees Fahrenheit here today. Okay, right on, right on. Yeah, summer is definitely rolling through, and, um, you know, uh, COVID's definitely annoying for that. But um, uh, we're, we're getting out fishing here and there. How's the fishing life down there for you? It's great. Um, it's just kicking off. So we've had fish basically since, I think, first of the year was May 4th or 5th. And we got keepers rolling into Boston in the next week or so. Oh, man, wicked. Um, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about striper fishing. Um, we're also going to talk about Joe's background in fly fishing. Um, although, how did we meet Joe? How did we get connected with Costa at all? How did that whole thing start? Um, well, actually, it was uh, our friends down in Indiana. Um, the first time we came into contact with you guys was um, um, Derek from Flymasters. He got us some um, Costa gear, which was awesome of him to do so. And then we... we we produced that video, but, um, yeah. I mean, what, I, again, what a great community, like yeah. everybody who worked so hard to revitalize the white river. And then one thing led to another and, uh, um, I got uh, Joe's contact and emailed him. We've been chatting for a couple months now and yeah. I think it was even a little bit more around about that's how I think you guys first started with Costa, but I think how I first found you guys was through Joe down in Texas. Right. Oh, we right. With Joel Clifton right. and photo wise and kind of found yep. you guys. Yeah. And even came more roundabout because uh, Hayden Dobbins, who's our event, one of our event guys at Costa, actually is from Indiana. So okay. knows that whole story, knows you guys. And yeah. so it's just a cool, awesome, small fishing world. Well, it has that's, been totally that's awesome. So awesome. I love that the fishing community can just like, you know, like in such weird ways, we just find each other somehow, you know? It's the best. Yeah, it is really the best. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about striper fishing today, but maybe we just start with uh, a little bit about, yeah, first of all, who you are and what, what do you do at Costa? For sure. So, um, always just realizing too, I talk fast, so I will do my best to slow down for your listeners right on. or, uh, maybe they're used to listening at 1.5. They may have to listen at negative five yeah, uh, perfect. for, for this, it. but just I get excited down. about fishing. So I'll try to keep myself in check. Right. Um, I think we'll understand. <laughs> uh, but background in fishing will start is I grew up fishing from Connecticut originally. So okay. about two hours from Boston, uh, mostly freshwater, largemouth bass stuff. 
all fun. We're about two hours from the coast, so didn't fish saltwater that much. And then uh, went to college north of Boston. Um, fished a little bit in college, but played lacrosse, so was more preoccupied with that. Then when I graduated, lived here on the coast in Boston, North Shore, basically 2009. Fell in love with striper fishing. That's basically all I do now. Um, then fell in love with fly fishing. And now fly fish, spin fish, do it all across northeast New England. And um, now through my job with Coast, I, get to, I cover all of um, North America, mostly United States, but a little bit in the can, a little bit south. And I cover specifically inshore saltwater fishing. Okay. Um, so that's everything, fly right. and spin. Um, and then I'm also currently covering um, offshore saltwater fishing as well. So basically anything saltwater, Costa, uh, our guides, our events, um, our cause partners, which I love, and our media partners. So I cover all those relationships. That's a pretty awesome gig, man. How'd you get involved uh, with them uh, at all? That's a great question. Um, and so I got involved with Costa. So when I graduated, I actually went to school to be a teacher. So I taught fourth grade for six years. Oh, no way. When I graduated. So I love kids. I have two of my own now. and worked across camps and camps. And so, um, went to be a teacher and was teaching and then uh, fellow Endicott grad, Matt Zimmerman, and I got together, we fished a lot. He had the name, why not? And we were like, you know, what are we going to do with this? Is it a blog podcast? Weren't really a thing then Is it gear. What is it? And we started why not fishing spring of 2014, May, 2014. And so we just had a website, we had some gear, ran a little launch party, Instagram was huge at that time and we're really growing before the algorithm stuff and really natural growth. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, actually about two months later, uh, I was on Martha's Vineyard where I go every year and we had like a little form website, like name, email. And we got an email from my now colleague, Peter Vandergrift in Costa. I just started at Costa. He was like, I love you. I searched straight bass and fly fishing, catch release on Instagram. And I love your stuff. What you guys are putting out. Can we work together? Yeah. I thought it was my buddy pulling my leg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was somebody who was like, oh, I'm going to get Joe and Matt and mess with them. <laughs> yeah. So we called them and it was great. He sent us a couple pairs of sunglasses. Yeah. We wore them, we promoted them, et cetera. And then Why Not Grew, we started running some events and meetups. So they sent us some gear, ran tournaments, grew that relationship. And so over time, they became our longest standing and largest brand partner. And so Why Not's kind of gone up and down in different ways. We love tournaments, bringing the community together. Yeah. Um, but really started to nail down on event marketing. So yeah. that was kind of our niche and representing those brands at all our grassroots events. So we ran events from anywhere five to 10 people to 150 people. And Costa loved that representation in New England um, and they can't always be there. So we represented them. And so Matt and I represented them. And so worked really tightly with Costa for those years. And then um, when the guy, Mike Holiday, who's a good friend left my position, moved on to another company, the position came available. And I knew I wasn't going to move down to Florida, so it wasn't really on my radar. And uh, they actually let me, after a time, they couldn't find anybody to like. My name kept coming up, and they were able to uh, let me work remote. So I live in Boston, work from here, and travel down the East Coast, Gulf Coast, and West Coast. Oh, man, that's, that's well, pretty radical. Jeez, that's some nice water there. <laughs> that's Holy pretty cool. Crap. Yeah, it's been great. And so I started last summer full-time and got my first uh, redfish on the fly, my first snook nice. on the fly, my nice. first tarpon on the fly. Oh. Uh my first bonefish, but it wasn't on the fly, so that's still on the list this year. Yeah, um, got to travel all there, and then before all this crap started, um, I got to get my first peacock bass on the fly, which is sweet. Oh, jeez, that's, um, that's down really in sweet. Miami, and then had some trips down to. I mean, all of my trips are thrown up in the air at this point. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. now for basically our travels probably locked down till July, probably August at this point. Yeah. So 2020 is going to be a little tough, but I'll be just doing a lot of fishing here uh, locally. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so Costa didn't really, obviously it didn't start off with fly fishing as being like, you know, um, a big part of the marketing strategy. But so when did, when did fly fishing become important for Costa Lake? Because I'm, I'm seeing more and more of that kind of popping up and obviously you're targeting fly fishers quite a bit. Yeah. Were you involved in, in heading that or, we, or is that something that's been sort of like rolling our last five, six years kind of thing? Yeah, so Costa was founded in 1983 in Daytona Beach, Florida. So it was all around Florida culture. Um, and our founder, Ray Ferguson, just passed away last year. We have our new sunglasses, the Fergs. If you guys haven't seen them, check them out. They're sick. Saw them. Memory Saw of him. Them. <laughs> Very um, cool. So it's always been around inshore saltwater fishing, fly fishing, definitely, and spin fishing in offshore Florida. But basically, right. early 2000s is when, and kind of mid to end of 2000, when we, our marketing really took off. So right, right. our six southeast states, so Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Mississippi, Alabama, and Texas, that's like our core. And basically, as they've grown out, they've kind of selling that Florida, that fly fishing, that kind of cool coastal flair, and right. should kind of, you know, moving up the coast, moving Gulf Coast, and then the West Coast. So it's grown. And so through Why Not, we were able to be part of that growth in the Northeast, which was really cool. Um, cool. it's been interesting on the outside and now on the inside, seeing like, how do we keep the Costa brand alive and sell that Florida lifestyle and really, you know, achieve out there, but adapt it to the Northeast because Northeast is so cold. We get a lot of great pictures and a lot of great content, but it's not necessarily the Costa brand, so to speak. Right. 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 Oh, that makes sense. Um, also these are my fave, by the way. The what do you bees. got? Those Spiros? I got the Tybees. Tybees. Oh, yeah, okay. Man. There you go. <laughs> They're super I like sweet. It. I love these yeah. sunglasses are awesome, man. Honestly, like not just saying yeah. that they are great fishing sunglasses. Yeah. And not um, because the, you know, the creative that you use to promote this was a guy that kind of looked a little bit similar to it me. It did look that, like that's you. not <laughs> Were you in the ad? How did we get you? Perfect. Exactly. All those like you gotta get it. That guy looks like you. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. I love it. Got him. Well, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's an interesting thing you kind of touched on that, and I don't really think about. I mean, I've been to Florida a bunch and fly fish a bunch, like. There is a, that is fly fishing's other, like, a cultural mecca. I think in a way, there's like, of course, a cat skill, well, in America anyway. Yeah. So you have the cat skills, and they're doing their thing, Montana, of course. Yeah. Pacific Northwest for the steelhead. Yeah. But really, like, outside of Montana, and I've been to, been lucky enough to fish all these places, actually, not the cat skills, but Pennsylvania. And, like, outside of the Montana, it's really, like, um, it's really Florida where I got that, you know, that sense of like everybody fly fishes. Yeah. Really? You know what I mean? Like when you're in Isla Murata, just like when you're in Livingston, Montana, everyone's got a skiff. Yeah. Everyone's got a skiff and everyone's got fly rods and everyone's bonefish tarpon permit obsessed. Yeah. yeah. It's like everyone's rainbow brown and cutthroat obsessed in, yeah. in Livingston. So yeah, I think I, I just, I don't, I don't know what point I'm trying to make here other than like, <laughs> it is a really interesting Isla Murata specifically. And like, is a really interesting little like cultural hub for fly fishing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to fish the um, Herman Lucerne tournament this year, which is really cool tournament. And the keys are a place I've always wanted to fish and the tournament weekend, which is why I didn't catch the bonefish on the fly was blowing 30, 30 to 40 and raining all weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, I love the keys then. And I can't imagine going when it's, pristine sight casting fly fishing conditions mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah and then like you said like florida then there's everything else you can catch like a peak like you can go get peacock bass in florida so yeah cool. yeah yeah that's true that's, i think a lot of people maybe well I, I don't think about peacock bass when i think florida but maybe i should because it's like yeah well it's really just in like this one area around miami, miami. they're in, they're not natural so these are the pets that kind of came and right. like if you saw the area 
that I caught them in, they're it's not very clean. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> they're oh, like in these right. interstate highways and yeah. like you to crawl back and like you're taking cast like iguanas yeah. are running across. It's totally bizarre. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, it's still a pretty nice bass though. Yeah, it's a cool That's fish. A nice fish. <laughs> That's a cool fish. I could dig it's that. It's a cool fish. And then I got the little uh whatever that little other fish too. The little bait fish. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, oh, so yeah. going way back though, because I think like so many anglers, you know, uh, your life seems to have really been guided by uh, fishing in the outdoors. You know, um, considering that's like what you do for a profession. You said you were a teacher before. What was yep. it about fly fishing, like back in Connecticut where you grew up, um, that that hooked you? Like, what was it? Do you remember your first fish in those moments? Great question. So again, going back to what fishing. So I have two younger brothers, Chris and Tony, and we. My mom got us into fishing. So she'd just bring us, we actually ended up actually Canada was where we fished first. Oh no. Ontario. Oh, no. oh we're in Ontario. Uh, I forget the name of it. I'm going to go. It's going to kill me. Oh man. There was a lodge. My grand, my grandparents took us to every year. Twin Oaks lodge. That's okay. Okay. Twin Oaks lodge. I don't know if it's still in business. I remember there's like family run yep. and there's cabins. We'd go every summer in August and, um, vividly remember getting like my first fishing pole up there and catching rock bass and sunfish there, which was awesome. So fun. Yeah. And a hilarious um, image of my brother practicing with a push button rod, pushing the button behind him, casting over and the lure not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, classic. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. <laughs> and then I got to like, when I was 12 years old, I got to run my first boat there, which was awesome. Oh, nice. And uh, pretty funny story as well as there's this, like these anglers that would always come. It was like, you know, these legendary anglers when I was growing up, looking up to them running around catching leopard frogs and whatever and seeing these guys coming with walleye and pike and i was like i want to fish with this guy this guy's name was hooksy oh, no man. idea who he is my parents had no idea hooksy? But like, yeah hooksy <laughs> pretty good name for an angler hilarious he was like i don't know what he actually looks like i can't remember we know i have a picture i think yeah. he might be a mythical character yeah <laughs> um, but i was like i want to fish with that guy my parents are like okay so at 12 years old they let me go with this guy <laughs> And the middle of the night, we went walleye fishing like an hour and a half away. <laughs> oh my god! We came back. It was like if I did that today. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's man. incredible. Yeah. Did you catch any fish? Do you remember if you caught any fish? We did catch fish. It was like my first walleye ever. It was totally like like trolling at night, like yeah. not fishing I was used to. It was pretty cool. It wasn't on the fly, but yeah. it was sweet. So um, that's still cool. That's I love how you like the, the most Ontario thing, which is like come here and catch, <laughs> yeah, catch a walleye, walleye. <laughs> with, a with a guy named Hooksy. Yeah, that's pretty it's Ontario. A, well, so all my family's from Buffalo. That's where my parents grew up. Oh, and then they moved to Connecticut, oh, right. and I grew up there, and now I'm in Boston. So we go to Buffalo all the time. Huge Bills fan. I'm glad they're not in Toronto. No offense to you guys. Um, <laughs> I don't think we want. <laughs> no. Um, you can't take that team away we'd from go, that city. <laughs> so you go there, meet them, and then drive, I think, like another 10 hours from Buffalo there. So it was like yeah. a 20-hour drive over two days Yeah. with three boys in a van. My parents, I don't know how they did it. I know. That's all. It's Still don't know. Such great uh, memories, though. Props you know? to them. Looking back at but stuff like that, you know. Long way back to fly fishing is my. So when we came back, we loved it. And my mom would take us to this pond. Yeah. She'd sit there and hang out. We'd run around this pond. It was like probably this like five basketball courts, maybe super small, but we had a blast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she, we every time we got a hook tangled, we bring it to her. She'd untie it. We go back, caught all these fish, and we met uh, another mom. Did this with her son Brian, who became like our fourth brother. Um. And he, we'd all go there. We'd all fish. We grew up fishing and just loved it. So it's like the three, me, Chris, Tony, and Brian. Yeah. And so I didn't fly fish until actually, I tried it a little bit until after college though. I got really into it. So right. Brian was a guide and he still is a guide in Alaska. Oh, sick. Wow. At Wild River Guides. If you guys can ever check it out, it's awesome. They do fly-in trips. So they fly in, they have to measure all the weight. They drop them off. They float the whole week and they pick them up at the end. Oh, that's cool. That's a cool trip. 
So that's cool. so cool. Oh, yeah, definitely gonna look and they that. do some really cool trips like the, with veterans. They have um, somebody in a wheelchair that did a whole trip. They had somebody oh, wow. that bl- that's what? blind. What? That does a trip for a whole week and catches fish. It's wild. Oh, that's Whoa. crazy. In Alaska, Whoa. too. Like, such a wild cool, place. Man. Super legit. So, like, he was always into fly fishing. And his big trip that he would do every year is for um, steelhead and brown trout up in the Erie Tribs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So down, like, mm-hmm. Oak Orchard and all those rivers and stuff. And so he's always like, Joe, come with us and fly fish. Joe, come with us and fly fish. Right. So he got a little bit of fly fishing in the stripers um, up here. I think, like, 2012, 13, 14. And Matt and I through why not did a lot and brian invited us up there we did it freshwater and then stripers and we were hooked yeah so it was like now it's basically when we go fishing for anything it's like fly first or top water then soft plastics then live baits like yeah yeah, yeah. that's like kind of the progression i love that yeah. trickle down man i i feel that so many so many times when i'm out on the water i'm like why don't i bring wor- just worms you know just to see one fish because you know i love that it's well great. especially with kids now it's like yeah. you got to get something but totally. the cool thing for a live bait for stripers is it's like mackerel which you go and catch yourself or bunker right. which you net or snag and yeah. so the eats on those things are pretty incredible yeah cheese. Cool. That's but we insane. also do fly fishing. We'll talk about when you get stripers, a lot of tease and switch with a big topwater plug. Then yeah. you pull the plug hookless and you throw the fly right behind it. Okay. Oh, really? So you tease the fish out of the rocks and then you throw that. That's how you catch a lot of the big fish on fly. Okay. Well, I think this, I like this, I like this transition. I think this is yeah. a good time to get into it. Like how, where, when did stripers come into your life? Like how did you end up, was it Boston? Was that one that start all started? Um, when we grew up, like we did a little bit, but we weren't totally into it. Like we went with a couple friends here and there. We did some bluefish stuff off the Cape, but definitely it, because it wasn't in our backyard, it wasn't like we weren't obsessed with it. Yeah. Then when I graduated, actually my co-teacher, uh, when I was teaching her husband and her son fished a lot. And so they invited me and then that's when I really got into it. And then Matt and I fished a bunch and then we were like, all right, we love this so much. Let's create a company around it. And then just have yeah. this huge community around the North shore. Yeah. Um, and they're just such a fun fish to fish for. They're super aggressive. They go from, you know, we're catching mid 20 inch fish, which are fun, but my, you know, personal best, I broke twice last year, 47 inch and a 48 inch on top water. Oh, wow. That's a huge fish. Sorry, on top water? <laughs> top water, big old plug, seven inches. Oh my God. In five feet of water. It was incredible. <laughs> That's crazy, man. I don't even like, like yeah. Size. So even... yeah, basically when we're talking about trips for you guys, it's like, first week of june so next week is i got it june 5th last year and then got another big one like a week or so after labor day so it's like up for us is like mid-may to mid-october but really like first week of june to last week of september is best in boston okay so those are kind of the two times to go and does that correlate to the run at all like the east the eastern run yeah so the stripers are coming from chesapeake and hudson all the way up to maine and you guys get stripers up in by you guys too quebec yeah yeah. so it's similar stock up there but they're kind of all all the way through. Right. Yeah. They got them all the way to well, like, well, you know, like the gas Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mouth, mouths of those rivers, like the Matapedia and, and whatever. Well, it's funny cause we're down here. We're experiencing a big crash for stripers. Again, it was a huge oh. crash in the seventies and eighties and there's a moratorium. Yeah. And now it's looking to be the same, but up in the Caspi, they, they're trying to kill the stripers cause they're eating your salmon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there was a moratorium because all the stripers were gone for a while. So it's like you said, it's like that, that, that ebb and flow of people keeping them, yeah. Yeah. It's well, I mean, like I love fresh fish, but there's so many other fresh fish you can eat around here. It's like yeah. stripers are more valuable in the water. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, for I, sure. we feel the same way about steelhead and things like that. I mean, yeah. so many fish, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, sorry, Mitch, baby, it's all you. Oh, okay. So 
why why like as i think like stripers have the same kind of cult following or cult kind of culture around it that like steelhead do yeah what's with that is it because i mean obviously they're fun and they don't happen all year long i get that part of it but like every article i've ever read in like the fly fish journal so they just like people with striper fish seem borderline insane yeah you know, they're yeah. chasing them like the great dead or yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> you know, like, well, it's like I was thinking when you were talking about, you know, trout in Montana or the trout in the Catskills or different areas. That way it's like redfish and snook and sea trout down like all the southeastern states. The only thing we really have in the northeast is stripers. Like that's it in short. Like especially Boston. Like we get some bluefish, some flounder, not really on the fly, like fly fish in specific. Yeah. When you can go offshore and get some bluefin and mahi and offshore stuff, it's just not attainable. For stripers, it's so attainable. It comes within shore. Right. Not so much mm. anymore because their species dying down, but it's like you can chase them from Maryland to Canada. You can catch them out your back door. You can catch them on bait. You can catch them on fly. You can catch them on lure. And it's just like people don't sleep because they eat at night really well. It's like different tides, <laughs> different winds. So it's just mm. – Similar with flows for steelhead, you know, when you get the best flow or a different time of year and water temps, like for stripers, it's people get like people lose, get divorced, lose friends around stripers. It's sad. Yeah. It's like, I've heard about this. Um, it's crazy. Like, I'm not, like, I, it's funny. So when I started fishing, I was teaching. And so I started you know, fishing a ton and started this company. And my wife was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you're never home. You're doing this. You're not making any money. You're spending money to run a company. Like, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, just trust me. It will work something. Yeah. And it's like, now I live, you know, I'm looking out my window right now. And I see Boston Harbor. I wouldn't oh, be able cool. to. Awesome. Do I need to live here? Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm fishing. So do you want me to live two hours from the water? Yeah. Or do you want me to drive an extra hour every way I go? Exactly. Like, yeah. This is where I'm living. That's the only <laughs> way I can do it. I love that, man. That's so good. That's nice. Striper fishing. Actually, I read a book years ago by a guy named David uh, D. Bandito, I think. And it was called On the Run. It was about striper oh, fishing. Oh, it's a great book. Such That's a like good one of the book, best right? Ones to read. Yeah, I read that yeah. when I was a kid and I was like, this striper fishing thing, although you'd hit the nail on the head, it is like a cult thing. Like people do get divorced <laughs> over it, right? <laughs> Guys with huge striper tattoos on their back. Like it's it's really a, and the way that he talked about it, I was just like, man, so stripers, I got something that I catch. And when you're talking about catching, you know, 40 inch fish on top water, I'm like, Jesus, what a ridiculous yeah, thing. Yeah, and it's fu and it's funny because you have the stripers in general, the cult, but it's really even more than that. It's like you have the fly fishermen, the spin fishermen, the bait guys, the commercial guys. Right. The, the surf casters, the fly surf casters, people that only fish. It, it's like, it's get so niche. So funny. Like I'm not like that. I'm pretty open and open, like community. I want to learn from everybody, but yeah. some people can get really yeah. closed yeah. off. I and I, to be honest, I do understand a bit of it because if you're giving up spots, I mean, you guys probably talked about this before. It's like, you don't want to give up spots and spot burning and all that good stuff, yeah. which I understand. And it's more the why and how about where you went to catch a fish more than, like just that spot and go because yeah. then you get crowded and people throw garbage and it just doesn't work. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, maybe we maybe we go through a bit of a you know like a, a day striper fishing, like because like like I said, I don't know, it's completely foreign to me. Like I don't, I don't even know what if someone's like, let's go striper fishing, and we walk down to the Boston Harbor and they're just like, okay, show me what to do. I would I would have no idea. Um, yeah, it's I mean, well, I mean, we went this morning. <laughs> we usually so. We start getting them in Boston Harbor about the first week of May. So most people try, you know, some trips in the third or fourth week, April, just getting ready, kind of getting their dust off. Sometimes we go down to the Cape or Connecticut, Rhode Island. They come migrate up there first. Okay. Um, we get them from shore a lot. They're usually, you know, schoolies, some 15 inches, some up to 25 inches. Yeah. And that's kind of what we had for the past two or three weeks. And then now the bigger fish start to move in. So like this week, 
we should get keepers. And then next week again is when I got the big one. So like the first week of June, and then they kind of settle in for the summer. So okay. even though I mentioned the first week of June, last week of September or so, like they're here all summer. Okay. Just as it gets hotter, they're harder to get. So that's why you fish early morning, evening or night is right. in the summer or live bait. And so normally right. with work and kids, like I'm usually going half hour before sunrise. So like 4.30 now or 5 a.m. sunrise. And we fish, you know, for three, four hour trip. Usually around the tide, sometimes we go a little earlier, a little later, and we're just cruising out. We know kind of where the fish are usually. This time of year, there's lots of um, blitzes, so they're chasing bait. So you find the birds, find the fish, yeah. throwing flies that way. And then we start hitting some flats. We start hitting some rocks. We start following the bunker schools around. Gotcha. Um, but there's really fish here all year round. Sometimes they're easier to catch than others. Okay, mm -hmm. gotcha. So you really are, you're cycling through the different spots that you know, you know, they're fit, hold fish and, and you're... You're just throwing different patterns at them and seeing kind of where they're at in the column and what they're feeding on, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, and the hardest thing about Boston, like I fish mostly Boston North Shore. So when you look at Massachusetts, there's Cape and the Islands, then South Shore, Boston, Boston North Shore, Cape Ann, and then you kind of get into um, uh, Cape Ann and into New Hampshire. So like we're really Boston and North Shore is kind of like my zone. Yeah. And if you look at the map, really this time of year, you want to hit estuaries. And what happens is the water heats up in the flats and the fish want to go to that warm water first. So those like, okay. late afternoon outgoing tides are the best. Yeah. Because the water is warm. So the fish are in there and they're kind of active and they're coming out. Um, or for wading spots, we usually fish around the low tides because the estuaries that are huge are now a little bit smaller. So the fish are in a concentrated area. Yeah. So you can just wade out and oh, get to right. them a little bit easier. Yeah. So if you look on a map, like if you never came down here, I said, find an estuary, the heart, like you might find one, but there might not be parking. Right. You might not have access. So mm -hmm. it becomes tougher. And we fish on boats most of the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I fish on kayaks as well. Stand up paddle boards and shore. Oh, nice. Um, stand up so paddle board. Way to get out there. The yeah, saw, best thing about the stand up paddle board is like sight casting them. So yeah. you can yeah. see them coming across the flats and it's awesome. That's oh, yeah. my next purchase, stand-up paddleboard for sure. Okay. Yeah, I have the uh, live paddleboard, the catamaran one. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. It's unbelievable. I fit me, Whoa. my 60-pound bulldog, and my wife on it That's at the so same awesome. time catching fish. That's great. It's so fun, man. <laughs> and it's super stable. Oh, it's awesome. You could like, do cartwheels on it. It's like a floating dock, basically. Eh? It really is, but it cruises. Yeah. People use it to race. No way, really? Whoa. Race That's crazy. Super fast. Oh, man. Yeah, we, we tried the boat um the boats are great too the boat we tried the boats once we we actually tried that we got to demo a rover for a couple hours yeah, up in like cottage rover. country how was that pretty cool yeah it's pretty cool it's pretty cool Did you it was like pretty it? cool i i i just like the regular paddle boards i don't think yeah. i need an outboard motor on my paddle at that point just get a skiff right right yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or put like a trolling motor on a kayak i feel like i just it felt unsafe i guess okay because it was like yeah <laughs> i gotta say kayak fishing man kayak fishing for sure and you're on the sit on top kayaks right they're pretty stable too right yeah so i've been like a hobie team member so to speak for the past mm. five or so years so the pedal nice. kayaks which you need to for stripers you're covering a ton of water plus you need to be fast in and out of the rocks um yeah. and the ones that the outback model i have you can stand up too yeah um mm. so it's weird to fly fishing like i'm kind of constructing a little stripping basket to like pull on top of the drive so the line doesn't get stuck in the drive and oh, stand. Right, yeah. mm -hmm. i'm kind of trying to configure that now but or because the seats off the um 
the new seats have a space, I just kind of strip the line under the seat and that's my stripping basket. Yeah. 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 See, oh, yeah. I love that. I love that though. You know, fishing, fishing, like these, these types of fishing scenarios where you have to think about, Oh, you could paddleboard, you could kayak, you could wade. Like that's the best man. You know, that's why I love yeah, about well, it. It needs to be one thing. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's crazy. It's like every morning, every night, like this time of year, it's bad because I have two kids and working, my wife works and it's like, I'm here and all, I have my friend, he's having a uh, girl this summer, so he'll finally learn what it's like, but he's fishing all the time. So it's like this blitz, yeah. he's on it. He's like sending me pictures. I'm just sitting at home like, oh my God. So yeah. is a blitz, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, what is a blitz? A blitz is when the, the fish are like frothing. So usually there's birds, mm. they're chasing bait, they're coming out of the water. Um, this year, there hasn't been as many blitzes, so to speak, of like really white water. They've been kind of just like feeding. Yeah. So they're kind of slurping. You don't really see much fish, but they're active on the surface. And that's usually when you'll catch them. Yeah. But it's also can be very frustrating. And that's when the fly rod comes in handy because they start getting on smaller and smaller bait. Okay. So it's like, you'll see people out there throwing a top water, not getting hit, throwing, then we'll go down to like a four inch soft plastic, which usually works. But mm -hmm. if that doesn't work, really only the fly anglers are hooking up. How long so is, how like long is sometimes a blitz the fly rod's best. How long does it last a blitz? Um, depends. Some like, so like when you read like on the run and when you look at back in like the, early 2000s when the stock was coming up and like really at its peak like late 2000s mm -hmm. like in the fall like the fall run they would last all day like 40 inch fish just feeding on top the entire day oh from God. morning you go to work come back in the evening um, it's what? insane it's absurd like they, yeah. like i missed it like i never got to see it in that heyday i've seen some blitzes are insane but yeah. like today they like feed in one area then they kind of go down and then you look around right. they'll pop up in another area Right. Um, and as we've kind of learned, like, and you see people fish, um, it's like, you just stay in that area or you kind of slowly put rather than chase the birds. Like today it was so foggy. The birds couldn't even find the fish. <laughs> oh man. Like they were yeah. getting thrown off by the fog. So yeah. we would just kind of slowly cruise and you got to get that eye to like see one. And then, you know, they're there. Whereas people are like zooming all around right, looking for birds and things like that. Yeah. And so like this time of year, it's smaller bait, but then we get mackerel that come in and the fit, the bass feed on those. They don't really blitz on mackerel cause they're too fast. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but we get, um, Manhattan bunker pogies that are like, you know, two pounds sometimes. Okay. And they're slow moving. They're, they're filter feeders. So they just kind of cruise and you'll see, like <laughs> you look from a window or your boat and it's a dark patch. And sometimes it's going to oh. be as small as like, I don't know, a couple hundred fish. Sometimes it'd be tens of thousands Yeah. Whoa. and the bass will just hammer it. Oh, man. And so this school poke, they don't move very fast. They just kind of cruise in the bass corral it. And you'll just watch white, white water blow up, then another blow up and you'll see your fish finder marked with huge bass just following the school. Yeah. Oh, that must um, be so exciting. It's yeah. wild. And so like last year, every year with different bunker bites. So like a couple years ago was like the end of August. Like you just wait till it came and boom, the last two weeks of August were like on fire. You go, you snag a bunker and you couldn't even bring it back to the boat before it got hit. But what we like to do is around the bunker schools, it's fun to catch one on a bunker. Great. Yeah. But then we love to throw a top water or that's when you throw these huge beast flies yeah. around the bunker schools. And that's when you get those big ones on the fly. So mm. just like a big streamer type of thing. And you just, it's a, yeah, it's a hollow fly. So it's like a, almost like a 14, 16 inch long hollow fly. Okay. So, um, you can link to our buddy, Ben Wally, his B Wally on Instagram. Um, I think I've ta I tagged him today in my post or my story or whatever, but he's up in Maine. He ties the most savage flies. They're unbelievable. And he actually just, um, he's working on a topwater fly for us. It's unbelievable. Oh man. It's just like his flies are like the they best, just... like their movement. And it's like, you could throw it on an eight week. It's so light because oh, it's all tied wow, in this bucktail. Those are crazy. 
uh, yeah it's, so that's that. a little um oh cool okay it looks so like he's experimenting with a little pop lip but if you look yeah. at like some of the other ones it's unbelievable Oh, we'll post it in the show notes too for people listening. You can. Go oh my God, there's so beautiful. Through. Yeah, like look at that. Like that thing's incredible. Oh yeah, that's nice. That's oh, a nice so that trimmer. looks exactly like a bunker. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice. Okay. Fly. And it's so light. Like, it's light, you say, eh? It's so light. Like yeah, you could throw that on eight weight. Oh man, that's awesome. And so that's about, and it's great because it takes its shape. Like we've oh, caught man. you know hundred fish on them, and they still keep their shape. They're not yeah. like you don't They're have beautiful. to like comb it. They're oh right yeah. they're unbelievable they're yeah beautiful. those are cool those, those you know those would work well up here too for pike and oh uh, for sure stuff like that and musky even yeah that's cool oh that would be probably such yeah. a good musky fly yeah it could be yeah but so when, like we're talking flies to like the smaller feet like clousers mm -hmm. like white chartreuse clousers really work um that's kind of a go-to or like white little bunny flies on intermediate or sinking line but yeah. like three ways to catch big fish in the fly striper wise is like the bait and switch. So you throw the top water plug, okay. one anglers work in the top water with no hooks. You get one to follow it and you throw it. It's like, takes an amazing amount of teamwork Man. and skill on both people. Because if you don't get the fly and it turns around, it's like sometimes a cluster, but when it works, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, second way is follow the bunker schools. And then the third way that, which is like, I say kind of like the most pure way is just throwing blind casting, heavy structure or deep rips and yeah. just like pulling one out of the rocks, like yeah. totally just on the fly. And that's when you can do that. It's the best. Yeah. But a little tougher, yeah. like you say, cause you yeah, gotta find tougher, them. Right? Yeah. And so like what we do on the boat, it's like Zim and I are fine. Like we fish all obviously all the time. We're throwing top water probably 90% of the time. And it's like, we'll all throw top water till we get a bite or like a keeper. And then the first person who gets a keeper on the top water switches to the fly. Yeah. And then you can, and we're on a boat usually with three people, sometimes four. So you can't have really two people throwing fly yeah. and we're in like a 21 foot boat most of the time. So you got to have like one person dedicated to it. So it's always like kind of a silent fight who gets to go to the fly rod yeah. first. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, what's fun about going on the paddleboard, the fly or on the boat by yourself or the kayak is like, you're super stealthy. You're the only one doing it, which is great. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh man. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean that, that top water strategy, that's such a cool yeah, thing. Sure, I've never really. heard of that. It's, the bait and switch, baby. <laughs> I love that. It's so awesome. It works really well. Do you remember like a moment in your striper fishing life that was like, oh, this is cool. Like, this is why I, like, I can see myself getting into striper fishing now. Like this is, or like a story where it's like, this is <laughs> look, like, oh yeah. Look when the I, switch flipped. Yeah. yeah I, I'm trying to think. So I think what, so like the mark for stripers on anything is a 40 inch striper. Like that's is awesome. I, like a lot of people catch 40 inch stripers that like don't know what they're doing. If you're trolling big plugs or a tube and worm is a, um, a popular strategy or like live bait, but like a 40 inch striper specifically on top water, like that's an accomplishment. Yeah. So I remember getting my first 40 inch on the, um, on a top water with my buddy, Jeff, who at the time owned and made 24 seven lures, which is the wooden lures that we use a lot. And yep. I was with him down in Connecticut and like they had each caught some keepers and I caught it was 42 and a half inch striper on top water, like middle of the day, two feet of water. And it's like, we were throwing top water already, but like that was yeah, incredible. Um, so yeah. that really did it. And then fly rod wise, uh, I'm trying to think the best fly rod wise. So I fish, um, a kayak tournament everywhere called the, um, any KF striper shootout. Okay. New England kayak fishing always mid August up in Salem where I used to live in North shore. And it's a Friday night to Sunday afternoon tournament. The best kayak anglers around. There's like a 
live bait division, an artificial division, and a fly fishing division. Admittedly, there's not as many people in the fly fishing division, so it's not as competitive as like, you know, 100, 200 sure. people in the other ones. But we've, Matt and I fished it for a long time. First year, we were like just out of first, second, third place. And then the next year, we were both out there fishing, not really getting much the first couple nights. And then the next night, we went out, kind of were like, all right, we're going to wake up early the next morning and go. And I was like, you know what? I, like near the spot we were going to go, he went to bed, which is unlike him usually. And um, actually, he didn't go to bed. He went to hang out with a girl who's now his wife and he's having a daughter with. So I guess it worked out. Oh, no. <laughs> and I went out that night and um, was fishing these dock light area and throwing a bigger fly, not as big as those huge bunker flies, but a little bit smaller. Yeah. And fishing all these, um, the dock lights. So you guys ever fish dock lights for snook or redfish or anything like that? Or not so much redfish, but more snook or tarpon? Sea trout once, actually. Sea trout. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. similar. So the stripers like love to hang in that. And mm. I was on my kayak fishing this light line, not really expecting much. Saw like little bait in the surface. Yeah. Um, and I was throwing toward this wall. And so the tournament's always your, at the time it was your two longest fish. So it's like your two longest fish is your entry. Yeah. And I think that year was actually your biggest. So like if you fly divisions, like if you can get a, usually 25 and up, you're pretty good. And nice it's like fish. if you get a keeper 28 inches, like, you're going to do pretty well. And so I think at the time I had Matt and I both had maybe like a 24, 28, 30, somewhere around that. Yeah. And so Matt was in first and he wasn't fishing that night. And I went out and was fishing, caught a couple, kept measuring the board. Wasn't that big. And was like casting forward in the kayak. Yeah. Twitching through the light. And all of a sudden, like I heard a huge splash behind me. So I was like mid cast and I just like dumped it. Like, just, yeah. just like <laughs> screw it. Just let it go, and so yeah. I threw it behind me. It was like totally awkward. So I was like, stripping the kayak like this behind me and all of a sudden hooked up spun oh. my whole kayak took me across the flat my reel was burning all the way out it was incredible oh my and god and so um let me see if i can find the picture that's a cool story and it was sick and so that's i was so like sick. this is the definitely the biggest fish i've ever caught in the tournament to win it which is really cool yeah. and it ended up being my best in the fly 36 36 inches jeez that was at 4 a.m in the morning oh after fishing all night totally delirious we'll post that picture on our instagram as well i'll send it yeah. to you yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah for sure that's ridiculous and so man. it was just so cool and my buddy came and took a picture of me yeah he was like all the way back at the launch i was like dude i know you just paddled all the way back but you gotta come out <laughs> yeah here. this is worth it trust me it's worth it <laughs> And he oh did. God. And the cool thing actually I felt good about was he didn't catch anything the whole night and he came back and then he was heading back to the ramp. He caught his personal best. So I was like, oh, all nice. right, you it, got it something was, out of it. And from a kayak was, at night to too, like that's such a cool moment. Oh my God. Oh, it was great. And so it was like, that was 2015, I think. And then 2016, I went back to the I fished again, didn't catch anything Went the same spot, same tide, same. Yeah. And I got a uh, 31. Oh man! <laughs> and the next year went back and got a twenty-eight. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all that same. It's just like that's, that spot. That same. That's that tide. spot. It's yes. just. It's so cool. It's like this huge flat, and this light by a fenced-off area where no one from shore can get there. So yeah. no one ever fishes it, probably ever. I I only fish it really that one time in the summer because now it's so far away. Yeah. And the tide dumps out and the lights there, so all the fish that go up in the flats are now cruising back and kind of cruise by this wall, mm. and it's just so. It's such a fun place to fish, and so I got. First place throws three years, second place one year, and then first place again last year. So I reclaimed my throne. <laughs> <laughs> That's wicked, man. Congratulations. That's wicked. Absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. I love That's that. That's awesome. Um, so good. So if like, let's say, 
I guess like how, how do you get into like like if I was like if I came down to Boston like what do people like if if people are hearing this maybe they live in Boston they're like I'm gonna try striper fishing. Yeah, so I mean, like, if anyone even they want to visit Boston, I mean, Nick, Boston's where I want you to come because I want you guys to come fish with me. But anybody mm-hmm. northeast wise, I mean, New York and New Jersey, I don't know too much about the striper scene there. Um, but basically, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Cape, uh, Mass, New Hampshire, Maine, eight weight, nine weight fly rod, especially from shore, probably intermediate line. I would suggest um, mm. same line from the boats, heavy sinking line, but not from shore. Yeah. Um, and you know little clousers white and chartreuse clousers sometimes in floating lines guys love to fish crab flies but it's basically go to usually estuaries are the best place to start or uh, outflows inflows jetties are great um people can't get them on the beach but that's kind of more sight casting stuff rather than if you're going to try to haul for the first time in breaking waves like right. good luck yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that but, doesn't sound like i mean the most i would suggest uh, i mean the best thing for me was learning from a guide skip montello he's up um north coast guides in gloucester he's the the g he's awesome he teaches everybody around here <laughs> awesome i would definitely go with a guide like when you're yeah. getting into fly fishing yeah i would sure. suggest it definitely get casting lessons it's not like yeah you know steelhead trout stuff where it's like you can get drift you might not get the best drifts but you can get some drift it's yeah. like if you're not casting 50 feet or more you're going to be struggling yeah yeah right yeah also something stripping basket it's 100 need a stripping basket yeah. like there's if you don't have a stripping basket and you're fishing current it can be dangerous you can tangle in it oh, and true. fall yeah you're not going to haul the line out so stripping basket's huge that's a good mm. tip that's a good tip that's because good whenever sure. we go in the salt we never use stripping baskets and it's been okay so far but it's never been like a rule yeah so i mean like the orvis one is a great one it's pretty expensive for a piece of plastic at like 90 bucks but yeah. like you can make one for five bucks out of like a kid's chair so i yeah. mean like if you're fishing yeah. and you don't want to travel with a stripping basket on a plane yeah. you can go to like a cvs get a kid's stool flip it upside down cut two holes with a knife and put it on your belt your yeah. waist <laughs> that's gonna be fine or i've like seen people use milk baskets yeah you know, or like milk crates right. i should say Just something right. to catch it right yeah that makes sense I mean, if like you're really thinking about stripping bass and getting into it, the best ones are flexible ones. So if you're like on a jetty and you're walking and you fall, you're not like impaling yourself. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it's like they make foam ones or ones that are a little bit bendy. Those are definitely suggested if you're on jetties, but um, stripping baskets are huge. Yeah. What are some of the problems like facing stripers? Because you, you mentioned the returns are slowly kind of diminishing. Like what, what are some of those issues facing them? Yeah. So it's really overfishing. That's all it is. Simply. Mm. I mean, it's overfishing is occurring is that's like the scientific turn and there, the stock is overfished. Right. So that's both. And people on the front line, specifically light tackle guys that are in it and seen it and older guys before me and have been there saw it happening way before this. So at one point it was one fish a couple years ago was two fish at 28 and the past couple of years has been one fish at 28. And then this year, uh, coastwide, they're trying to get to a 17% reduction. Okay. And it needs to be coastwide. So basically, Maryland up to Maine, it's called the Atlantic, uh, Atlantic States, ASF, Atlantic States Fishery Management Council or whatever. Yeah. And they're managed striped bass and they all need to agree, but like they agree on it, but then states can put in these things called conservation equivalencies and change the rules a little bit more. So it's been a big oh, cluster this yeah. year of trying to reach that 17%. Yeah. Um, and it's been a 17% coast wide. So the funny thing is, is like New York and New Jersey killed the most amount of fish. So they were going to have to reduce their fishing way more than 17% to get to the 17% statewide. Yeah. Right. But now all these states got to go and do their conservation equivalencies to reach 17 per their state. But that means we're not reaching 17 coast wide. No. Yeah. So yeah. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Right. It's such and a so weird... this year they've put in a slot limit, which 
in general, if you think about like how they manage redfish and snook makes yeah. sense, yeah. but they really only make sense if you have a healthy stock, which we don't right now. So like 28 mm. is like just at the cusp of when they're breeding mm. and the stock, the slot right now is 28 to 35. So you can't keep anything over 35. Can't keep anything under 28. Yeah. It would be best if they're gonna make a slot that was like 34 to 40 or right. even better, like, you know, 30, the smaller, the better. But what really worked in the past was one fish at 35 inches. That's the only thing that's ever worked. Right. You keep one and it has to be one over 35. And like my case and what I strongly believe in is protect those breeders that are Mm -hmm. passing on those good genes, have Mm -hmm. a ton of eggs. Yeah. It's just stronger going to survive. Like there's no sense in killing a 40 pound striper. Let it go. Like sometimes you can't do it. So you got to keep it. But in my case, like the best fish you're going to eat it is like a 34 inch fish anyway. Yeah. That's going to give you, if I caught a 30 or four inch fish and I could feed a, you know, a dinner party of six. Yeah. Like I eat striper for me is like eat that night or that's it. Like yeah. haddock, you can freeze that flounder and black sea bass striper. You're not trying to freeze. Yeah. It's a big fish. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Okay. Well. So, and so, and so like definitely I would encourage you guys and your listeners to check out um, ASGA, the American saltwater guides association. I work closely with, okay. um, they recently started, I think past two years, but the guys who run it are, Awesome stand-up dudes. They've been in the fisheries for a long time. I actually had the opportunity to fly down to Washington D.C. with them uh, to speak mm-hmm. on behalf of Stripers twice. Oh, nice! So that was really cool. Had the opportunity to do that, um, and they're just putting out a ton of great um, content and literature, and on top of it, making a difference. And their big thing that I believe in is managing stocks for abundance. So if there's more fish, more people are going to fish for them, which means there's more money that are spent on guides, gear, tourism, yeah. food, etc. Mm-hmm. If there's no fish, no one's spending any money for them. Exactly. So I totally believe in that. And that's what they stand behind. And it's the hard thing for stripers is because there's a commercial fishery, mm-hmm. there's an unfair pitting of the two groups. Like there really shouldn't be right. There's a stock. I agree. People should be able to eat in a restaurant, but like, it's not about how you're catching them or for what person. If there's no fish, no one can catch them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly. the case. It's really just like more so. And that's one of the things ASGA is working on the mismanagement of commercial licenses Cause like there's guys that feed their families, not really on stripers only anymore, but yeah. like that's one part of their fish that they catch. Yeah. But there's also guys that, um, you know, weekend warrior type that will go yeah. get a commercial license, kill 10 fish in a day, go sell them and cover, you know, the cost of their boat. But yeah. It's like, if you can afford that cut, co- I need to commercial. Like if you have that boat, Crazy. you don't need to commercial fish for them. No. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So there, it'll be interesting to see how that goes right. over the next couple of years. Cause I believe people should eat them. I, mm-hmm. There's a huge fight from group stripers forever that wants them to be a game fish, which ideally maybe, but I don't think that's going to be realistic. Yeah. Um, and is that the pure solution, right? It's like, it doesn't sound like it. It's just, it's not a tarpon. No one really ever ate tarpon right. to get there. Like tarpon makes sense as that. Like it's more stripers are more, the most similar, probably the Southern species of snook and like redfish that gotcha. a slot once they're healthy, I think could work. But it's also hard too because stri- like there's so many people that fish with stripers that like I'm really attuned to conservation, but there's a lot of people that are going out, especially these times when it's like tough that they're trying yeah. to feed their family. Right. And they don't know. Right. And like it's hard to tell regulations, like, oh, you can't keep a 35 inch. Like I tell my friends don't really fish, they're like, what? Yeah. And like it's like, wow, we're not on the I know. same page. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. There is definitely a divide when people don't angle or fish, they're like they don't get it at all, for sure. I know. You catch a fish, you kill a fish, right? That's all. It is. Well, they understand, like before, like they grew up, like, oh, I can keep any fish over twenty-eight growing up or yeah. whatever. And my charter captain said that. Yeah. And they're like, wait, you can't do that anymore. It's like, nope, no. you can't. Just 
don't. <laughs> just don't do that. Just do yeah. not do that. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Well, yeah. it sounds like there's definitely some, uh, you know, some good thinking in the works, though. So hopefully everything yeah. kind of bounces back. Yeah, I mean, I'd like, I'm a huge catch and release and conservation guy for sure. And I understand people want to keep it and eat it. And it's like fly fishing in general. I think you see across the board more yeah. catch and release than anything. Yeah. Um, and I think that more people are getting that catch and release light tackle thing in. And mm-hmm. it'll be interesting just to see what happens with this pandemic stuff, who's fishing or mm-hmm. also the striper stock. Like I have a friend that fished in the South shore and he said he probably noticed in a spot where it used to be like five people, like mm-hmm. 45 people. Right. Like, it's gone up so much. Cause yeah. no one can do anything. Yeah. Like, exactly. so like, Oh, I used to fish. I'll go buy. And it'll be interesting to see how many people those stick around and stay fishing. Right. That's, right. That's really interesting. Yeah. There is an uptick, isn't there? That is so yeah. strange. I eh? like what a weird year. This is the weirdest year. It's the weirdest year. ever. <laughs> it's totally bizarre. It's been weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. okay. Joe, every episode we, uh, we do five questions called Mitchie's fishies five. Whoa. Is it that time already? Mitch? It's that time, baby. Mitchie's well, it's been an hour. Yeah. Oh my God. And we can talk to professional. All day, but, um, it's the same five questions we ask every single guest. Well, unless wait a minute, unless Yoma, do you have, a, do you have something you want to oh, ask? Oh, Yoma, do you got? No, no. Um, no, I, I, I was just saying, cause I didn't realize the time. Time flies just... for this guy. Talking about stripers, man. I could talk yeah. about stripers all day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> it. It's so interesting. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so the first one, Mitchie's Fishies 5, and it's like it's just five more questions. No buzzer beater totally. or anything like that. Um, so the first one is, what is your favorite fish and why? And I kind of already know the answer to this one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good – well, so default, it's in my backyard. But I would yeah. say um, favorite fish ever um, would be on fly, probably tarpon. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got yeah, So yeah. story-wise, I got my first tarpon actually in Puerto Rico on a paddleboard on the fly. Oh my God. Whoa. That's insane. And that was, was cool. That was unbelievable. Like we were there for our sales meeting for Costa. It yeah. was like when we were there pretty packed schedule. So we had meetings all the time. And then the last day, like we heard there's a lot of um, magic tarpon is like around um, San Juan. And that's like what everyone does. And they do some fly stuff, mostly live bait stuff. And it's like right in the Harbor. Yeah. But uh, one of our sales guys like showed us pictures like on the last night, like probably like 8 p.m. And we're like, oh my God, we need to do that. So we started messaging this guy on Instagram. We text him. <laughs> they're two and a half hours away. This is 8 p.m. Pretty much in the bag already because it was <laughs> yeah. you know, our sales meeting. What are we it's a sales meeting. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're like, all right, stop drinking. We yeah. might be able to pull this off. So it was like, took a couple hours. We locked it in. We're yeah. going to go at 4 a.m., two and a half hours down the island. We're like, no one has a car. We're only here from the airport. Yeah. We went and rented a car. <laughs> came back packed because we were leaving the next day at like 2 p.m oh my god <laughs> so we packed slept for like two hours woke up drove two and a half hours across the island yeah got to the spot in this cool park went out and i was like what's gonna happen my buddy cody who i went with he's worked at costa for a couple of years actually got to costa through why not yeah. okay <laughs> so he oh, done nice. some interning through why not Pretty got awesome. him a job at costa and kind of came back together he's the man yeah. um and he's tarpon fish in Florida a lot. And so he knew what he was doing. I never tarpon fish seen enough videos and kind of figured out and know a little bit what we're going on, but yeah. got a little casting lesson, took these paddle boards to an area, probably the size of, I don't know, two tennis courts or so. And we come into these mangroves like four or five feet deep. And I'm like, you know, what's it going to be? It's going to be like the keys where you get the chains. They're going to get like one single one shot. Don't mess it up. And we pull in the spot and like, just waited. We're like, what are we seeing? You get your eyes used to it. And like, all of a sudden, you look and you start seeing things. It's like probably 200 to 300 tarpon. Oh my no God. joke. Everywhere what? from 20 pounds to 150 pounds. <laughs> Just swimming in an aquarium. Oh it's the most God. wild thing ever. That's and we're sitting oh. there like, 
uh, what? And he tied a gurgler on for me. My other buddy had a different fly. And he's like, you're first up. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> Just oh, like, my God. Watching them putting a cast in the mangroves. I lost like my first three or four, you yeah. know, 30, 40 pounders maybe. Yeah. Jumping in the air. Oh, my God. Like, crazy. Holy it was 40 wild. pounds. It was insane. That's so worth and the so drive. We were God. doing that all day. And like, I missed a couple, but you know, jumped them. It was a blast. I was like, if that's all I did for my trip, it's great. And, yeah. um, got really hot really quick, obviously. And we kind of cruised down the bank and we had a live bait. So I like, as I was fly fishing, the guy put out a live bait and, uh, took the chunk bait and it cruised in front of me and jumped in front of my kayak or my uh, paddleboard. And it was a hundred pound tarpon. <laughs> In front of me, just like going just like this. So I was like, <laughs> and he lost it, but it was so cool. Oh my and God. And then when I was doing that, I turned around. Cody hooked like, a, I think probably like a 50 pounder, 60 pounder, maybe. Jesus. He landed it on the fly. Oh, on a paddleboard. On a paddleboard. <laughs> and it's cool because he has like a little 10 pound weight that when you hook up, you kick it off. Right. And that anchors you. Okay. So it's yeah, like, yeah. okay. Yeah. I was going to say, like, gonna what say, happens like, when you hook one? <laughs> yeah. And he old. tells you that very clearly. Yeah. And so the guide's with you. He's awesome. His yeah. name's Tarpon Ombre on Instagram. He's been doing it forever. He's Amazing. such a good dude. Tarpon Ombre. Um, Ombre. He's the man. But he's like so good. He's coaching you. He's, we're laughing, giving each other shit the whole day. But he's like, when Cody hooked up, he like jumps in the water and lands it. As a paddleboard, it's hard to land it. So him and Cody went off in another area. They did some live bait stuff and jumped a whole bunch more in spin rod. And I kind of went back to the spot where I knew they were. Yeah. I sat there. I was like, I got to get one. Yeah. And one kept coming, cruising. You kind of wait. And I waited, hooked it up. It was so pumped. No one was around. These guys were all the way down. Yeah. All I had was like a cell phone, barely could battle on this thing. And I had this, you know, 15, 20 pound tarpon, but yeah. it was on the paddleboard. So I just was spinning. And it just kept going around because I didn't want to jump. I didn't want to lose it. Yeah. But I wanted to pitch it. And I was Big like, circle. if somebody was videotaping this, it could have yeah. been on like bloopers. It would be terrible. amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> Finally landed. But uh, so long story short, tarpon on the fly inshore. But um, bluefin tuna on spin rod is like a new addiction. I got my yeah. first last year, last summer. Yeah. And it Whoa. is unbelievable. Oh, man. Highly suggest if you ever do it. Like I got mine on a little soft plastic Ron Z. But this summer I'm going to go on top water. And it is just the... You can't even imagine the power of those fish. They yeah. kick your ass. Oh, oh my god! Sure. I know I mean, I, those imagine, videos of people yeah. fighting them. I'm just like, how the heck are they doing this? Like, yeah, my back. I was like, well, was like the time we went out was they were catching like 30, 40 pound tuna, yeah. and so like those you like they'll kick your ass, but you can get them in, and that's what everyone was catching. So like, uh, this is my first one. I told my buddies like I'm gonna land this one. So I was like fighting it for the first ten minutes, and they're like, if you need a break, and I was like, I'm not a pussy. I'm not gonna lose this 30, <laughs> 40 pound fish. Yeah. And then finally, I was like, all right, somebody go in. And the fish ended up being probably 150 pounds. It was like 68 inches. That's <laughs> <laughs> massive fish. Oh, my God. That's so I was so like, funny. all right, at least I didn't feel that bad to get my ass kicked yeah. by that fish. That's <laughs> a big fish. Okay, well, that sounds super fun, too. I mean, yeah, I've never fished the, uh, for those. Tarpon are definitely high on the list because that, that story's crazy. It's so worth the it's, drive. It's so cool. Yeah. It you almost so got cool. his first tarpon this year. Yeah. Hell yeah. Did yeah, you? Where at? In Tobago. His oh, home. Yeah. There you go. You never fished for him when you were there before? Uh, no, no. Tobago's like a new little um, oasis that we just started exploring. Um, just because it's not like a very popular fly fishing destination, but it's very, like, it's 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 got a lot got, of permit. They've got it all. Yeah. Permit, bonefish, permit, tarpon. bonefish, tarpon. Jesus. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll have to go there with you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, man. That'd be Absolutely. a fun trip. That's sounds, like, sounds like a work trip to me. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah. number two then. Okay. So this one kind of actually maybe kind of leads into that. Um, if you could fish anywhere in the world right now, um, assuming it's like the best time to go fish there, mm -hmm. uh, where would you go? And why would you go there? 
Um, I think the Seychelles are pretty sweet. I think that's on everybody's kind of bucket list at the moment. Yeah. Tarp. Uh, it's just the, mm-hmm. how hard it is to get there and the fish. <laughs> I mean, GT from, I, that's like the goldfish GT on fly from shore. Like yeah. I think you can't beat that. Yeah. Um, and a cool thing about that trip is like you go through, um, Dubai. And so you get Queens, Queens fish. I think they yeah. are in yep. the Harbor. So like when you go through there, you can also add that. So that's kind of a cool destination. That'd be a cool trip. Yeah, nice. um and then a trip that got canceled because of all this crap um was to costa rica and i was going to work an offshore oh. tournament on the pacific side and then at the end of that go to the gulf side for tarpon and which i was really looking forward to so anything where tarpon bonefish permit where you can get that slam so in the keys yeah. belize anywhere you can get that i think like that's that's what i want to do someday I get the slam oh man yeah nice. you're doing tobago there you yeah, go. Tobago. Let's go there. Well, there I just got my spot. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. Number three is, uh, what is your best fishing memory? Um, best fishing memory. You've had some good ones. There's been some good ones. I've given you guys a lot of them. Oh, I love yeah. Them. Yeah. <laughs> so jazz right now. That kayak was pretty good. I'm trying to think of, uh, so, I mean, I've just started to take my daughter fishing, so I can already tell that those are going to be the best when she yeah. likes fish. And there, there's a funny picture we have like when she was, I don't know, not even a year old. I'm Martha's Vineyard. And I'm holding a little scup, like a tiny little, basically like sun, saltwater sunfish. And um, she's smiling in the funniest little picture. And then like you look, we got the picture or after we took it, looked on the phone, she's making like the littlest baby thumbs up. In the picture, <laughs> and no one noticed it because it's like kind of next to her legs. So that yeah. was really fun to do that. Oh, that's awesome. Trying to think of anything I missed striper wise. You got a lot of my top stories and like, yeah, my personal best last year. That fish, forty-seven inches on top water, it's June fifth, um, was amazing because like I had not caught a keeper of the year. Like usually we catch like mid thirties or something like that, and that was forty-seven. Like that's insane. That's We've never huge. caught a fish that big. Though. That's so. That's, that's a crazy. big striper, man. Oh my god. Yeah. And then the worst part about that was hero one day, zero the next. I put a treble hook in my pinky, oh. stuck the next morning. Yeah. Oh, so I'll, I'll send you guys the pictures. If somebody told me that uh, I would catch my personal best and then put a hook the next morning, I probably would do it again. Yeah. It's still numb, by the way. Oh, my oh, God. No. It really was that oh, bad. I totally it, messed it up, but whatever. Oh, man. Fuck. Worth the fuck. I have well, nine other fingers. We're fine. Ex- yeah, exactly. Well, true. the good thing is if you get stuck there again, yeah. I won't feel it. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. Number four is why do you fly fish? What do you get out of fly fishing? A challenge. Um, and it's just fun. Like if you're not catching fish when you're striper fishing, it's just fun to cast a fly rod. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's just like, I can cast spin rod all day long. It's good. To, it's just like a good mix up. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it's just a different movement, which I really mm-hmm. enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. Not with you there. Um, number five and the last of Mitch's fishies five is, uh, <laughs> what fly pattern represents you best and why? So if you were a fly, what would you be? Um, <laughs> uh, probably, I'd probably be like a hollow fly streamer, white and chartreuse, nice. a little crazy. So the chartreuse in there, I like that. Yeah. You nice. throw up for a lot of fish. <laughs> and it's just because it's so, so versatile. Vers- and, and versatile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, really. So I go for everything. So it hits my main species of striper, but you can throw it for a lot of different species. I love it, man. Those fly, those flies too, that, that your buddy are tying there. We definitely check them out. Those are, those are cool. Those man. are gorgeous. Man. He's yeah, the man. Gorgeous. Yeah. Those are cool. Should maybe get some for pike. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> And so Ben's definitely a good guy to talk to. And then uh, my buddy, but do you, have you guys seen Pogo, Pogo Pike on Instagram at all? He fishes Pike in Connecticut. He fishes Muskie oh, in Wisconsin. He's a really awesome dude to talk to. He'd be a great podcast guest. He has tons oh, of awesome. stories. Um, he ties his own flies as well. Some huge pike. I got my personal best pike on fly. Not a huge one last year. Yep. Oh, nice. Hey. Yeah, it's a big fish. 
He's a good dude. He's in uh, Connecticut, as mentioned. Then does musky trips in Wisconsin every year. Oh, awesome. Awesome, dude. Nice, nice. Yeah, check him out for sure. Yeah, we're, we're, headed, we're heading up for some pike in uh, about three weeks from yeah. now. Oh, actually, no. are, yeah, three weeks from now. Yeah. Pike are the best. Oh, oh yeah, so got fun, some. Man. I got some pike flies that are just ready. I'm just anxious to bust them out. Yeah. They're a gift from us, actually, from um, a couple of fans. Um, from Love us, it. Actually. Oh man, can't wait to catch pike. Nicest looking pike flies. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's it for Mitch's Fishy's Vibe, man. Joe, thank you so much for coming on. That was thank you, that gentlemen. was amazing. That was such a fun show. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate I'm so jazzed that. to go striper fishing right now. Like I can't even, I can't even. You gotta go. No man, you gotta go. 100%. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So, Joe, where can people like find you, your stuff? Like, uh, where can people? What do you want people to do? Find Costa. Find yeah. So, the best way with? to connect with me personally is probably Instagram at Joe Gugino. So, just first name, last name, or on Facebook, same thing. Um, follow why not at why not fishing on Instagram and Costa. Um, and that's about it. And uh, anybody welcome to feel free to reach out to me, uh, striper questions, et cetera, Costa questions. Um, and I really hope we can schedule that striper trip with you guys here. Oh yeah. Oh, we, uh, I mean, would love that hundred percent. It's amazing. an easy flight from Toronto. So yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, it used to be an easy flight. Yeah. From Toronto. <laughs> yeah, it used to be. A little tough right now. Well, the good thing is like when you fly into Boston, like there's not like I live in Winthrop technically, so it's right next across the airport and it's like 10 minutes away, so oh, nice. you didn't don't have to go into Boston proper if you land, so you can come into Winthrop, which is you know pretty low key. Beauty. Stay here and fish enough Boston Harbor so you're not like in the thick of it and have to yeah. be that worried about it. Oh, you kind of get away right with on. it out here. Wicked. Right on. Yeah, we oh. uh I, I went to Boston once. It was awesome. Had a great That's time. A cool place. Love cool. to go down there. Or I'll join you guys in Texas when you go to do that again. Did you guys schedule that yet? We gotta we gotta definitely meet up in Texas. We haven't scheduled a trip yet just because we don't know what the heck's going on with this whole thing. Yeah. You know? Well let me know when things go. We're eyeing the same time. Same time. November. Which is November. November we went yeah. in November last year and um, you know, the bulls started coming in. So good. I, like I think we had a shot at a couple bulls. Like they they weren't fully in yet, but whatever. I don't care. Like that was so like yeah, the most anyways. amazing trip. Yeah, yeah. So many. Fish. Sign me up for that. I would love to be there. Yeah, man. Hundred percent. That'd be that'd cool, be a blast. Cool. Um, okay. Well, thanks so much again, Joe, for coming on, and uh, everybody listening. Check out the show notes for all those links, and um, take care, man. Take care, man. Later, guys. We'll talk soon. We we'll talk soon for yeah, sure. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Right. See you, man. Right. Nice. That was a fun show. Oh my god, I want to go striper fishing. That was fun. Joe's so yeah, cool. Like, he's like the coolest guy. Yeah, yeah man, he's it's super nice. Yeah. It's just such an interesting. I don't know. It's so cool, like seeing the way people like grow up fishing. Yeah, because we like grew up a very specific way. Yeah, I know. Which is unique in a which is unique, you know, our little Ontario way. And then yeah. like yeah, that whole like. Oh, what am I trying to say? Well, like so many, so so much a access to such not. wild fish out there, you know, like stripers mm-hmm. and and these fish. I love the, the teasing method. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so. Norm crazy. was Norm was doing that on the Ottawapiskat. Oh right, eh? With with, with uh, he, yeah. he had a hookless spoon. That's right. Like, I remember that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Norm. Yeah. Norm. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's what those guys wanted to do with us in Tobago. Remember the guys was trying to sell us like day trips. They were like wanted to tease oh. up. They wanted to tease up mahi mahi to the boat and then have us throw poppers yes. at them. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which uh, that's I don't know why we didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest, sounds kind of problem. Mahi mahi on a popper would be so insane yeah. <laughs> and fun. Are you guys going fishing anytime soon? Yeah, probably this week. Tomorrow, maybe. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe nice Wednesday. Fish. I don't hey, know. Wednesday. Maybe I'll just why not? Play why that's why it's called Why Not Wednesdays, right? Is it called that? Yeah. I'll be down to go um, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll be down. I don't know. It's just really hot, so they're not. Yeah, exactly. They're not. It's not. Stay away from the fish right now. We were on the. We were on the. No, it's not. Stand, well, I mean, we could go in the evening for it. Would be mornings be and evening kind of thing. Yeah. They're not like they're just not active. Right. And they've been fished hard, like especially the Credit River fish. Holy fuck. Give them a bit of a break. Yeah. Hot temperatures and a lot of activity. Yeah. Give them a break. I mean, um, you know, we're, we're a month away from bass, bass opener, guys. So uh, then we'll be have another option. And bass is always yeah. fun and accessible and easy to get. And it's true. Why not? And then, although you, you, you and I were scheduling, I already messaged Ian Troop, but we're doing a little dry, dry run scout um, nice. um, a guiding uh, trip on the credit with Ian. So I'm just waiting to hear back, but we might, we might do that next week. Yeah. Ian's going to Ian's, uh, Ian has left his job at TD bank. Um, in a, in a good way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I think, um, yeah, he, uh, well, I anyway, don't have to get to the details of his, like <laughs> his payout, <laughs> but, um, but anyway, he doesn't work for, um, he doesn't work for TD anymore. So he's, he's looking at guiding full time until obviously all this is over, Right. but he's going to do a lot of instructionals. So he's going to test out some of his, lesson plans on me and Yilma, which is going to be awesome because we're going to learn a lot. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, my God. When's that going down? I don't know why. You should come. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Yeah. He wants to do it during the week sometime. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Right on. Okay, I can dig it, baby. He said like a Monday or something. I can dig it. Well, uh, right on. Good for you and true, man. He's he's a bang-up guy. We'll we'll have a YouTube video uh, of him up soon on our channel, Blindfolded Tying, so... Um, if this is out, the video might be up there. It might not go check it out. Cause there's tons of other good stuff on there to watch. Um, oh yeah. You know, we've done so much stuff over, over this isolation, this, this quarantine thing, guys, like, holy, holy Hannah. I, I just like took <sighs> we, right off. It's been like, it's been like two months. It's been since we got back from Tobago. It's like, crazy. March. Actually. Yeah. And March we, we, you know, 13th, we, right? we said like, you know, let's, okay, well here we're in quarantine. What can we do? We can't go outside and. Um, let's, let's make some more content for YouTube and let's record a show once a week. But, um, it looks like this is kind of the world now. So it's like, we're, we're slowly getting used to kind of living with COVID and, and what that means. Um, and so we're going to actually go back so fly wise to, uh, uh, a show on the first and the 15th of every month. Um, so twice a month, we're going to go back to that model, but we're still going to, you know, upload some YouTube videos here and there. And obviously fishing season's here. So we're going to put up, you know, our trips and do as much as we can, uh, fishing content wise, because uh, it's super fun, we love doing it, and it's tis mm-hmm. this tis the season. Um, but a thanks to everybody that listened during this time. Um, you know, sometimes uh, you podcast listen when you're when you're doing your commute and no commutes. So th- thanks everybody for that. That stick around and, and listen, and thanks everybody for uh, for you know supporting the show and checking out the videos, um, and for continuing to listen to the show. Um, but yeah, first and fifteenth, you can check out our shows. Thanks to all our guests who came on during this time. Oh um, hell yeah. yeah! Um, yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah, you know, we we did get we did get a lot done. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Which was which was great. We I mean, to thanks so to people. I mean, hey, let's shout it out. Thanks to Colin. Yeah. Thanks to uh, Colin um, McEwen from the yeah new fly fisher fly, fly fisher. Thanks to Aaron Reed down in Texas. Yeah. Um, his book came out or it's coming out. I saw that. It's very exciting. Which is awesome. He's going to do a little live stream kind of thing uh, about it. Great book. Uh, of course, thanks to Mark Kulansky. Um, actually, just got the book. Nice. They just emailed the hard copy of the book. Um, Amazing. Salmon. Yep. The book is called Salmon. Yep. Uh, thanks to Stephen Brunt. Yes, thanks to Steven. James from Chums. 
Dave. Thanks to your your un- Uncle Joe Auntie talking Joe. about trout opener. That was awesome. Yep. Chris Barkley from uh, Oh, beautiful Rod. Chris Rod. Barkley Fly Company. My pal down in Montana, Matt Dotson. Oh, Dotson, of course. Um, Jeff Jackson. That was awesome. Yep. From Park. Love it. Dude, oh, that yeah. was so cool. Cheers, Jeff. Um, we were fishing with Josh the other day at Josh on the Fly. Uh, yeah. And he said he listened to that episode and he's like, how many, he's like, how many times have I Googled Algonquin fly fishing and not come across Jeff? It's so awesome to yeah. have listened to that episode. I know it's great. He said, he's like, he's like, now, now I want to go fish with him. I was like, yeah, who doesn't? He does. <laughs> Super nice guy, man. Jeff was awesome. Yeah. And uh, thanks to Eric Lund from Esnogami Lodge. We're going up there in a couple weeks. Can't wait to see Eric. everything. Uh, is good. And thanks to Joe. Thanks Yoma. Thanks Mitch. Thanks Aldo. Thanks Yoma. Thanks everybody. Keeping me, keeping me thanks, sane. Thanks. Absolutely. As sane as possible. It was fun. Yeah, Honestly, yeah. it was a good time. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a good time. I mean, you've you've been pretty good, although I don't. Yeah, you've been good. You've been good, man. Mitch's been good too. Mitch was really happy the first couple of weeks. He's all jolly good man. He's like, I'm going to be working from home for the rest of my life. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I like. <laughs> my facial hair is like insane, but I'm yeah. not insane. Hey, you're looking good, baby. Yeah. You're looking good. Um, I, have a, I have a job interview tomorrow. Whoa, where? Mm-hmm. For that paddleboard company. Oh my god, get it! And let's get some paddleboards and let's take them it's, bass fishing. It, it's my. I know, right? It's my. <laughs> it's my third interview. So. Oh man, that's awesome! Oh, well, second, second, second. Congratulations! I hope, I hope, kill it, baby. Whatever happens is the right decision, you know. Because yeah, kill it, baby. If you get it, great. If you don't get it, then great too, man. You know, it's whatever is right for you. Man. I think I, you're a shoe in because you're yeah. the best. Everybody, thanks for listening. You're the best as well. Um, and that's it from from me, Mitch, and uh, and all of. Uh, yeah, thanks everybody. Hope everyone's staying safe and going fishing if they can, because it is beautiful outside. So beautiful, mm-hmm. Yelma. See you guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening, everybody, and take care. Comb your hair. <laughs> you can find all of SoFly's content at SoFly.ca. On Instagram, we're at the SoFly Crew. You can reach us at the SoFly Crew at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or concerns. On Facebook, we're SoFly, and our podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify.